1: hey what's going on welcome to the raptors reasonless podcast i'm your host blake murphy did not have it in me to give you uh that nice whispery intro uh, or any self-guided i guess it wouldn't be self-guided if i was doing it guided reiki meditation on the raptors nine game losing streak instead we're gonna come out with an entirely different energy. Eric, with respect, fuck your romanticized narrative on Lowry. <laughs> Getting F-words thrown at you in the comments. Eric Kareen, what's up, man? Uh, not too much, man. Just uh,
2: tried to navigate some uh, different emotions than were you uh I mean, the emotions aren't that new, but I guess the topic... Is a uh, familiar, familiar emotions with uh different topics that's what we're navigating here.
1: Yes, yes. As I joked on Twitter last night, you thought a Raptors Rockets game was uh, a couple hours where you'd be free from house related disappointment, and then uh, no. bad bunny of the basketball world himself. Taking Not, down the Raptors.
2: I've lost all respect for Bad Bunny, who what? just who just gave up the twenty four seven championship.
1: Um, back, Eric. Off. Look, we we cover the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Zach Lowe has been fond of calling the Raptors the Drakes. We make lots of Drake and and six references. Uh, on this podcast such as you can go to the athletic.com/we the 6 right now and get a subscription hey. uh, for $1 a month drake feels like one of the biggest artists in the world bad bunny's streaming numbers make drake look like i don't know serial joe <laughs> it's <laughs> it is remarkable how popular he is uh his music is good he finally won a gringo grammy and as far as celebrity tie-ins to wrestling go, I actually think he's been pretty good. He I, very no. clearly loves the product. Yeah. And he's headed for a WrestleMania magic. Mostly, though, Eric, our listenership, producer Andrew is, is not going to be happy with you taking shots at Bad Bunny. Because you know that little graph that we can see where we can see where people tuned out? A huge (laughs) drop-off. Bad Bunny is too big to slander on Raptors Reasonable List.
2: Well, listen, here's my... Like, I I agree with everything you've said, and I do enjoy... Like, I I think he's actually... He actually gives a shit, uh, which is unlike most celebrity appearances, I would say. Uh, See, also Gronkowski slash uh, Rob. That's his name. Uh, But just... He didn't even lie down to take, like, a mock pin... For, from our truth for the 24-7 he just gave him it for a stone-cold replica belt uh which is like a fair deal but like just at least like do the do the honor of just lying down for the pen you've got to tra- respect the traditions or else the 24-7 belt Blake it might mean nothing
1: yeah, it's, uh, look, the Old Spice guy won the 24-7 championship on Sunday uh, at Fastlane. So, um, you know, maybe not the belt held in the the highest of esteem. Uh, so yeah. there's, uh, anyway, we're not going to talk about wrestling. I got a little distracted there because there's a Windhorse quote uh, coming down the pipeline. We're going to talk a lot of Raptors trade stuff. Again, I mentioned theathletic.com slash we the six or you can click off any of our articles right now and get a subscription for just $1 a month. Great deal. Uh, now is obviously the time. It's the trade deadline week. Eric, you've had some more call me things. I- I've had some kind of mock negotiation kind of things. Uh, a lot of stuff out there for pre-deadline coverage. And obviously we'll be on top of whatever happens between now and Thursday. Uh, we're going to talk trade stuff. First we have to, we'll do our usual news roundup first. We're, we're really going to slowly ramp up to the, or ramp down rather, to the nine game losing streak. Uh, the Raptors are mostly back healthy. OG Ananobi sat out Monday on the second night of a back-to-back as he ramps his conditioning back up after five games off. And with kind of a preventative nod to the fact that he had that calf issue uh, prior to that. The trade deadline is on Thursday. Uh, I would not expect to hear from Masai Jiri or Bobby Webster before then. Um, if you're looking at who, which Raptors are out there in rumblings, uh, obviously there's Kyle Lowry, there's Norman Powell, there's a little bit of Chris Boucher, there's a little bit of the Raptors have still been looking at um, centers like Rashawn Holmes, who's probably off the market, or Ken Birch, who you, know, you might be able to find a, a one-for-one challenge trade there with Terrence Davis or something like that. Um, The big stuff, though, is obviously Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell. And we've thought all along that that Kyle has at least some control over what happens here. Um, Eric, where are you at? I mean, you wrote last night kind of a goodbye to Kyle Lowry. Even if he's dealt, he might get one more game. Uh, We could also get that 7 p.m. Kyle Lowry's a healthy scratch against the Nuggets on Wednesday. Um, Where are you at, man? This nine-game losing streak has pushed... I think, like, I don't know, maybe 70% of the people who were on the fence, uh, one way. Yeah.
2: Um, I don't think they have to trade him, but it's... If you get a reasonable offer, I think you do, with his blessing, of course. Uh, Well, not of course. Some people have yelled at me about that. Um, You want... Both sides of this party to get something out of it obviously and if kyle lowry i, I still think and i wrote this in my piece that basically said the raptors should be sellers the best case scenario is for to hold on to lowry and have him come back next year at a price that doesn't really ruin their ability to build another contender uh I just think that's going to be very hard to do and I don't think Kyle Lowry will be particularly happy or content playing his last day his last years on a team that's trying to find its way back to contention I I, I think he'll probably want some more guarantees than that, that that this is not reported this is just you know I've covered Kyle Lowry for almost uh, for for more than 8 years now and we've all seen the way he's wired and that would be my best guess. Uh, so if that's the case, and if that's something that Kyle Lowry knows, then I think moving toward a trade now, uh, instead of just waiting for it to organically, as everybody's using, and in uh, after the season, it just makes more sense. It helps out the Raptors a bit. It's not like they're going to get a game in Toronto at the end of the year. So, Ra- so Lowry could win, wear a Raptors uniform in front of Torontonians one more time. Like they're playing the rest of the season and, you know, shit ass Tampa. Sorry for the slander, but you know, that, that's what we're, I, I think the Raptors fans are now fairly anti Tampa. Uh, so we, can yeah, I don't know if they'd that. go
1: so far as to call the city shit ass. Yeah. But, uh, I Whatever. mean, that's, that's better saved for Boston where Jason Tatum followed in Paul Pierce's, uh, shoes last night with a DNP mud butt. So (laughs) I missed that. Uh,
2: But uh, yeah, I think you move him uh, if if both parties are on the same page. And I think increasingly there's less reason for both. (laughs) This is like a triple negative. Uh, There's just good reason for both parties to be on the same page, I believe. Now, uh, knowing what we know and knowing the position the Raptors are in uh powell again i can still make the case but i think uh, for keeping him that is but the his trade value is not getting higher than this uh and he really looks like a piece that can you know at worst be a really compelling sixth man for a contender that doesn't mean he, but, his, but the great thing about his value is his market isn't limited to quote-unquote championship contenders. It could be, you know, teams looking to continue to build and acquire his bird rights, because I would, I would say the team most likely to sign him is probably the team with his bird rights. That's usually true, I, I would say. And uh, he fits in any number of timelines, not just a, you know, gotta win this season timeline. Uh, and obviously he makes less money making trades a lot easier. So I think you got to le- be leaning that way, certainly.
1: Yeah, I will say at the very least, I, I certainly I understand the arguments for not selling, for riding this out, for keeping the bird rights, for, hey, maybe you make a play-in game and things click like they did in that 14-7 and 7 stretch. I understand all of that. I think at the very minimum, though you have to be in a mode where you're not giving up future assets. Like, like, we kicked around some deals when they were 500 that would have seen the Raptors sending out uh, a pick or a prospect. Um, and sure, if it's like a 20-25 second round or whatever. Yeah. But you're not attaching a first for anything. You're not attaching probably Malachi Flynn for anything. It, it's... Yeah, I was going to say we, prospects. <laughs> what, we a, are so, what are those? <laughs> yeah, like, like we are seeing with these depth issues the cost of having so few picks for multiple years, right? Like, like there are only so many Fred Van Vliet, Chris Bouchers, and Paul... Like, okay, so Fred Van Vliet, Chris Boucher, Paul Watson. Three of the Raptors' top seven players, I'd say, over the last couple weeks are undrafted guys... And that's just not... You can be really good at that. It's still not enough. You and Norm, still need, Norm Powell is second rounder, mid-second yeah.
2: rounder. Uh, but yes, you, you, you're right.
1: Yeah, you can only, Like, the, the hit rate on those flyers is much lower. And I don't know, man. You need picks to... Uh, going back to the Damari Carroll era when they traded a first and a second to unload his salary. And, and then you obviously traded a first in the... Kawhi deal, and that was an asset consolidation move. You traded a second in the Marcus Saul deal, and that was an asset consolidation move. You traded two seconds to unload salary just to save uh, a bunch of money under the tax during the championship year. This stuff adds up. And uh, that's why, you know, that's part of the argument for being sellers right now because four of your championship pieces have left, returning none of those assets. Um, and it's also a case for not being an aggressive buyer just to. You know, losing seven instead of losing in five in the first round. Um, you know, obviously that's a little different if it's uh, if it involves a piece that you think is a long-term piece. Yeah. Whether that's Alonzo Ball, a John Collins, a in my eyes a Rashawn Holmes, <laughs> maybe not other people's eyes. Um, but yeah, I just don't think I don't think you can buy so. We've discussed the trade stuff a ton. I I think the last two or three episodes of this podcast have been trade talk. Um, It's pretty much, you know, it colors everything we've been writing lately. No complaints here. Uh, The people love trade content. The the only thing people love more than a championship team is a team making transactions. So uh, we're okay with that. The vibes, though, the combination of the trade deadline being so close and the Raptors being on this losing streak has... Uh, the energy pretty low, and Kyle Lowry was jokey enough after uh, Sunday's, after Monday's loss. Rather, um, you know, Sunday he he was jokey about it being his birthday week. His birthday's on Thursday, uh, and then Monday he was he asked Grange what Grange thought he would be doing today, and Grange said thirty six holes, and Kyle conceded that that was correct. So, um, you know, it, it's not it's not as if these guys are necessarily you know, calling each other out and being super negative or anything, but they're wearing it, man. Kyle and Fred have been pretty open, and Norm and Pascal. They've all been pretty open about the mental toll that this season has taken in general, really the last calendar year plus um, in some of these cases, especially with Pascal Siakam. The, the vibes are <laughs> low, man, and I don't know that that colors the decision, but the fact that all of it is happening, and when I say all of it, I mean the team losing eleven players and staff to health and safety protocols for a couple of weeks, the nine-game losing streak, the trade deadline—all happening at once. Um, it's tough not to be a little glum right now. Uh, do you have any positives, Eric? I, I know you're not exactly paramour with the. Uh, for a pessimist, I'm pretty optimistic, but give us some some bright spot right now. Give us give us something. Uh, they're getting into
2: pretty good lottery striking range. Like, like sure uh, that's exciting. Like, we can. They are as
1: close to a top four lottery odd as they are to the playing game.
2: We can have an honest to goodness like draft season. I-, I know you're chomping at the bit for that. Um, Champing at the bit. I I know that's how it's spelled. Is that how it's pronounced?
1: Yes. Everyone just says it wrong.
2: All right. I I accept that I am wrong in this case. Uh, It's good that my wife is not home or else she would have recorded that little soundbite where I said I'm accepting that I'm wrong. Well, producer Andrew's going to send it to her. Uh, um, Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, (laughs) I mean, what's their... I mean, we're less than, fewer than two months away from the season, I dig, potentially, and the weather's super nice outside in Toronto at least. And, so. and we both have a lot of unused vacation time. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, it's hard to look. You got. I, I really think they're handling it in a mature way. I've been, I, and I don't think you'd expect much different from Lowry and Van Vliet, who have been the two guys who have spoken to us after the both the Cleveland and the Houston losses. Um, And they're sort of not accepting, uh, while mentioning like the conditioning and all of that, they're not accepting any excuses. They're talking about how there are no secret answers. They're talking about their disappointment. And like, but they're also, and I know some fans just want to see them lose it and they want to see the players just, like, show the same amount of frustration as they're feeling, but I think... Like,
1: like the guy in our mentions who was angry that Nick Nurse only got the maximum allowable fine of $50,000 for cursing at the refs?
2: Um, sure. Um, they want to see some more mask-throwing, except not mask-throwing, but, like, yeah, something... do that, some, Something equivalent to mask-throwing. Um, but I think... I think it says a lot about them that they are very, very concerned, but are still keeping their heads about them and, and, and understanding the context of this year. And also just the context of trying to dig yourself out of it. Like Larry called a timeout against Cleveland cause he felt they were trying, he basically said it felt like the team was like the team felt it was down like 50 and they were trying to like fix everything Uh, in one or two plays and I I think they're preaching the you know the one possession at a time thing and I think that says you know whether Lowry's gone it says a lot about Van Vliet who's you know going to be if not already is the leader of this team Um, and I think that that says a lot about the type of hands you're in for the next few years so I mean, maybe other people don't see it like that, but I've been really impressed with their attitudes and, uh, like, I don't think it's been. I, I know they talked about effort after the Houston game, but I think like, and and this might be more depressing than optimistic, but I think it's more execution than effort. Like, I don't see the team obviously not trying. I see them you, screwing you, up a lot. <laughs>
1: you know what helps? You know what helps winning more than effort, Eric. Good players,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, which again th- feeds
1: into the trade conversation. I won't bring it back there, yeah. but like, well, t- no, let's bring it back there because I, I have a, a way to frame this question that I wanted to ask you. All because right. you know, we can we can caveat around uh, about understanding the people who don't want to be sellers and the Kyle Lowry ness of the situation, um, and all that's fair. But but let me frame it to you from a more from a colder perspective. If they decide not to sell that the offers aren't there or larry doesn't want to go or whatever what is not what's the point of the rest of the season but like how recoverable is this obviously the playing game two and a half games out with with 29 games to go is reachable but like bigger picture what what are the goals become what 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 are we focusing on if um you know, this is who they are the The last 29 games? Uh I think you look at
2: the defense first, and you look at a team that has completely fallen off the cliff in that respect, uh, and you try to find that connectivity that has defined the team in the past, uh, like particularly between... You know, Ananobi and and Siakam as they switch and and roam the back end of a zone or, or something like that. I I think you put the ball in Van Vliet's hands uh, uh, and a bit more. You get him involved in more actions with Siakam at the end of the game instead of like uh, it's been a bit more Kyle and Pascal. Maybe you do a bit more Fred and Pascal uh, action, and then I think you do. Like, I think they're doing the right thing by giving Malachi fun minutes. Like, uh, I think, you know, he doesn't need clutch minutes, and I don't think he's been overly impressive, although I thought he had a pretty good defensive showing on Monday night. Um, but he's you, just got to stop
1: taking those early clock drag interest. screen pull yeah. ups. Yeah, yeah like, th- those aren't the looks, but you could see. Also, like, he can hit those, but those yeah. are the ones that Nick Nurse is going to pull him for.
2: Yeah, like, you take those with six on the clock, not with 14 on
1: the yeah. clock. It, it, so, in terms of shifting things, Malachi Flynn's a great example. You know, he played 14 minutes on Monday. And that's probably too few for, for where this team is right now. And I want to... I it felt touch like on this. more. Uh, anyway, yeah. it wasn't. I, I want to touch on this not to pick on these guys necessarily, but if we are going to proceed with this season where the Raptors are not um, not selling, or even if they are selling, be because that'll change the, the roster and who's playing. I do think that even if they want to reach the play-in, I think you have to start managing the rotation a little bit as if you're keeping an eye toward the future. And what I mean by that is, you know, I know there's still a spot for... Aaron Baines, I guess. Um, it wasn't it in the has... second half. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, Stanley Johnson's done a, an admirable job trying to shift his game to a role. He should probably not be starting and playing 17 minutes. And, you know, especially, like, like him and Patrick McCarr are not NBA, or they're not old by NBA years by any means, but they're unrestricted free agents who have had multiple years of on the team, and you know what they are, and they probably don't factor into the plans. I would really like to see Malachi Flynn playing a larger role. I would like to see them go back to Utah to see if he can recapture some of that earlier stuff. I mean, if you're going to a a fifth guard in the rotation, like they did with Bembry and McCaw, I mean, see if Jalen Harris can hit a three. I I know Jalen Harris is going to be inactive more often than not, Um, and even like the... The ghost of Matt Thomas, I guess. Like, like I know most people have probably given up or, or lost the patience with, with calling for Matt Thomas to play, and he hasn't been good when he's played this year, but he also has a non-guaranteed contract for next year, and, like, if you're splitting hairs in these rotation spots, I want those minutes to go to guys who might have a future with the team. Um, I don't have much to add.
2: I agree. Um, I... Like, Bembry's the one guy I wouldn't mind seeing more of, of like the more veteran group, uh, because they have a small guarantee, I think, on his contract or uh, a non guarantee, guarantee actually. Yeah. So. And I actually think he could fit in
1: on the next yeah, team. Yeah. And he's only 26. Yeah, yeah. And he's, uh, before his ejection on Monday, was which five, was very right, out of yeah. character. Yeah. He's the, uh, he's the, only, like, he's the best vibes guy on the team. Yeah. Um,
2: but in general I think you're right. Uh the reality is there's just not a and I think the guy you didn't mention probably because he's in the rotation right now is Paul Watson, but you want to see more of Paul Watson, I I would say in that in that role. Uh I always want to see more yeah. of Paul Watson. Um but yeah, like I don't need to see any more uh, unless there's like a pounding defensive matchup in which it becomes like, like there's useful experience, and then there's just getting beaten down and putting somebody in an unfair position, right? Like, so if there's, you know, if you're playing the Lakers, you probably need a bit of Stanley Johnson, especially if OG Ananobi's not in the lineup. Um, But overall, I think you're right on. You want to see those minutes, uh, you know, shifting toward uh, the guy's who you have less information on and the guys who you want to see if they can develop into something, some guys who can cart carve out, you know, a hopeful role for next season saying that like, it looked like Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas had done that by the end of last season. Like you could sort of envision what their roles might be on this team. And if you don't pick up where you left off and that, you know, often doesn't happen, it doesn't mean much, but that doesn't mean, you know, their failure, uh, Or if you want to put the blame on the coaching staff, which which I don't really want to, but, uh, you know, the organizational failure to get them back to a place where they left off like this year doesn't mean those minutes aren't valuable. So I I think you're right. I think they've got a trend toward the future. uh, And if they make a run, let it be those guys. And this goes if there are trades too. let it be those guys who helped carry you.
1: Yeah, in terms of blaming the coaching staff, you know, I've seen some of that on Twitter. I've seen some of the blaming Masai Shiri, um, You know, obviously some negativity around Pascal. The truthful answer with something like this is that if you go from being a 53-19 and 19 team to a 17-26 and 26 team, there's enough blame to go around for everybody. You can pick whoever you want. You can blame COVID. You can blame Tampa. You can blame poor fortune and kind of bad luck on the variant side. You blame some coaching decisions, the you know, players not, not living up to potential. The front office for, you know, some people feel botching the Serge Ibaka thing or, or just not having a good plan B. When you go from being one of the best regular season teams in the league for year after year after year to a team that is as close to the high lottery as they are to the playoffs, um, there's, you can pick who you want to blame. There's, yeah. there's enough, and, and I don't mean that as in like, Oh, Nick Nurse, you know the the shine is off, and Masai Ujiri's, you know, has done a bad job on his way out. Like, I don't mean that. I just mean when this much has broken wrong, there, are, like, there's no way for this big a drop off to happen without a lot of things pulling in the same bad direction. Yeah,
2: we're not reporting Masai Ujiri is on his way out, by the way, unless you are, um, like.
1: No. Okay. Uh, so, you want to talk bad Raptors? We're gonna we're gonna get a little depressing here, but we're gonna break up the podcast with a little game here. All right. Eric, what was your first year on the beat? Uh, so
2: I took over full time in January 2008. Wow. Uh, so, but I was doing a little work to start that season, uh, but I hadn't been a f- hired full time until January 2008.
1: Okay. Uh, so we're going back not quite that far. So we're going back to one of your early years on the beat, but not all the way back there Uh, to a time when I was a this was year one of two years that I was a season ticket holder. Yeah. And when I used my actual degree and had a real job, we're going back to 2010, 11 here, Eric. This is the last time that the Raptors lost nine or more games in a row in January of 2011. Those 22 and 60 Raptors lost 13 straight. Sorry, 2010-11. Okay, yes. all right. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves to end that 13-game losing streak in what was basically the equivalent of last night's Raptors-Rockets game. Uh, the Raptors at that point, the Raptors came into that one 13-37, and the Timberwolves came in 11-37. and So uh, not exactly uh, a great game. February 4th, 2011, at the Air Canada Center, the Raptors end their 13-game losing streak. Nine players played. I think you can get eight of them. Wow. Yeah. And the ninth one I will be shocked if you get.
2: Well, Who you got? Okay, so if Barnani's healthy, Barnani. Yep. DeRozan. Yep. Uh Calderon.
1: Yep. Leandro Barbosa? No. Was he DNP? Uh he was it looks like he was injured. Okay. Or maybe it was one of those fake injuries because he they traded him shortly after, right?
2: They traded him to Indiana, I believe, uh, yeah. for a protective second round pick. Oof. <laughs> that, that, uh, that came from somewhere. Uh, Sadie Weems? Yes. Uh, completing the Young Gun Trifecta, Amir Johnson?
1: Yep, yeah, so that's five. And those, were, you've got those the starting the five. Okay, yeah, you've so, got the starting five. Calderon, DeRozan, Weems, Amir, Barjani. Linus Kleza? No. Injured? Yeah, injured or... I don't know. He's not even on the box score, so... Yeah, uh, he was on the Raptors by then. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit, I, I so, sorry. okay, so I'll tell you this to, to erase the injury stuff. Barbosa, Kleza and Reggie Evans were all inactive. Oh, Reggie Evans was my next guess, so... Yeah, he uh, was inactive, so... So you've got four bench guys... One of them you'll get for sure, and I think you can get to the other two. Um, I might need a
2: little help at some point, but somebody had to back up Calderon. Um,
1: That's the one you're not going to get.
2: Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Ed Davis. Yes. Um, Shame on me for taking so long. Uh, And that was, I assume, the one I was going to get for sure. Yes. Um, So I'm guessing there are no other Raptors... First round picks at at this point. Yeah, the... there's
1: nobody there's nobody important left. Um, One of them is a a big. He only played three minutes. Uh, he was a very Colangelo guy. Aaron Gray. No. Oh, um, Alexa Jinsa. Yes. <laughs> yes, he played three minutes.
2: Uh, who then, like, went on to play, outplay Bardiotti once he went to
1: Charlotte, I believe. Yes. Uh, uh, so you have two, two left. Um, yeah. one spent the entire season with the Raptors, even started a couple times. 2010-11.
2: Give me a positional, yeah. a general position. Like a
1: combo forward, more of a three than a four.
2: Um. What's the date? Uh, February 2011. So it's not Allen Anderson.
1: No, it's pre pre trade deadline pre ten day, yeah.
2: Uh he spent the whole year. <sighs> um God, Jared Bayless?
1: No, he was uh he was a DNP CD in this game. I'll give wow. you another hint. That was a pretty uh, good guess though. You gotta yeah, yeah. this player was uh acquired for Marco Bellinelli.
2: Who did they trade Bellinelli to? New Orleans. Oh, Marcus Banks? No, <laughs> that was the David and was it David Anderson? No, no, <laughs> um, it
1: was. So n- I'm just a, don't give, this-
2: don't give it to oh, me. No, man. no, no. All right, go ahead or, or give me at least one more clue um, uh,
1: as Shit, to like. Uh, okay, he played. Uh, he was a lottery pick of the Hornets in two thousand seven. Julian Wright. Three- yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, Gray was absolutely delightful to deal with in the locker room all right and now the last one i can't imagine you're going to pull he's he's very much in the like i don't know he he was on a 10 he was on a 10 day he played seven games as a raptor as part of four stops over three nba seasons linton johnson the third no (laughs) in that in that class of guy
2: though as a point guard i don't know like I, more of a two but at this point they had no other point guards. yeah so, i you know. i don't want to waste the listeners time more yeah. than we already have raptors legend trey johnson i would not have you could have given me all of the guesses and i
1: would not have gotten that yes out of alcorn state and jackson state university mm. uh trey johnson bleak yeah that's uh and it wasn't like like he didn't he didn't play a couple minutes he played like seventeen minutes yeah well uh, not a yeah what are you uh, gonna do? I
2: guess who was last night's Trey Johnson
1: um shoot like I don't know no one's on a ten day
2: I know but who will be similarly anyway not important
1: yeah. um by the way Trey, Trey Johnson was uh. He earned that 10-day that with uh, a all-star season with the Bakersfield Jam. The
2: Jam! Former Raptors, yeah. or, or at least co-Raptor affiliates.
1: Yes, when they shared it with like 13 teams. And, yeah, Quincy, I uh, see. Yeah. For, former Jam. Are you a yeah, former tri-
2: Jam if you played for the Bakersfield Jam? Are you a former Jammer? I don't know. Jams. Formerly
1: jammed? <laughs>
2: You've been jammed.
1: Yeah. Uh, Trey Johnson averaged 26 points a game in the G League that year.
2: All right. Well, that was a fun trip down I
1: have no memories left road. I I, I do this uh, for, one, to highlight that it could always be worse. Uh, and, two, to lock into your brain that DeAndre Bembry, Aaron Baines, and Patrick McCaw all played single-digit minutes last night because – when we're doing this podcast in twenty thirty, uh yeah, that's gonna be the trivia question. The next time the Raptors have a nine game losing streak, ten years from now. Um we'll,
2: uh, I wonder if like Baines will definitely stick because like so many people have been yelling at me about him for so long.
1: Yeah. Macaw like, and Bembry will probably be easy to forget. Like like Macaw, obviously this is his third season here, but because he's been in and out of the lineup so much and like over what, over three years now, he's played 68 games. Like, people definitely forget that he was on the team so long.
2: Yeah, and now that, like, Terrence Davis is not a... is a cause in the exact opposite way, let's say, that he was last year, uh, the whole controversy around those minutes uh, fades into the rear view, for sure.
1: From last All right. year. Uh, that is... That's probably enough going back for for everyone. Um, Are we spinning our wheels just waiting for news to break on the podcast?
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, no, we've just spent, you know, the better part of the last month talking about trade stuff. It's a little, it's a little talk there. I guess one thing we haven't talked about, Eric, and we'll close, we'll close on this because I'm not naive to the fact that everyone wants trade talk right now, even if we've already talked about it. Um, you and I have actually not discussed Frameworks for guys. We've both, You've done columns about why they should do this or that. I've done the negotiations with other writers and uh, taken Twitter suggestions and stuff like that. Is there a Norman Powell or Kyle Lowry package that has either been rumored or thrown out there that you would get excited about?
2: Um, I think, like, the Philly package for Lowry, including, like, one of the young players and one first-round pick, is... I mean, it's you're not getting what you're losing, that goes without saying, but those are formidable pieces that could help restock. So, like, that would be something. Um, as for Powell, like, I haven't seen... My, my assumption, and maybe I'm wrong here, is that he's either going to land you, like, a decent first-rounder, or a like intriguing young player, I think it's unlikely that he gets you both, but maybe I'm wrong. Um but I don't like there are no specific names. Um like I I I talked yesterday about uh I, I tweeted it that I had come up with a trade in my head and thought about tweeting it and then was like that's a stupid thing to do a trade deadline Oh tell us before. now though. No I will. Yeah.
1: Podcast exclusive No I, I
2: actually talked to, about it with you like the golden state second round or uh, 2022 first rounder plus, um, plus Kelly Oubre and then just making the salaries work from there. Like, uh, I think that doesn't like really excite me, but I would guess it's like a trade like that. That's going to happen. uh, If, if anything does indeed happen, like where are you at with what his market might be?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking shorter term. I don't mean short term as in like you have to get someone who's going to contribute in a major way tomorrow. Because I think that, um, you know, the, these the things you're getting are also trade assets, right? Like yeah. it's not it's not trading Norman Powell or Kyle Lowry for something that'll help in 2025. It's trading them for something that could help in 2025 could raise the ceiling by, you know, kind of pushing your team back a little bit on the contention curve and the development curve. And then also those are trade chips that you've been notoriously light on the last couple of years to make things happen. So As, uh, as
2: by the way, you built a championship team.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know. I prefer, like, I like Taylor Horton Tucker, but the Lakers can't deal a first until 2027. Uh, I like that the Knicks have multiple picks and might be so inclined to go in right now. I, you know, the that that pre-free agency look at Frank Nilikina is not that spicy, but it's a much better pick and it's much sooner. And if you have two picks in the, you know, 8 to 20 range, you can do some stuff with that, yeah. whether it's in trade or, or moving up or whatever. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for uh, for a norm deal is is it'd be great to get a, a prospect who can fill some of those minutes or, you know even just some above replacement level depth for for moving forward but the big thing is to get another near-term pick um with lowry given that you're limited to from what it sounds like in terms of who can make the money match and who's interested in where you'd want to go philly and miami i much prefer philly's potential package miami's picks can't come until 2025 and that's if they drop protections on picks they owe Houston. For all that. intents and
2: purposes, they have no first round picks to trade.
1: Yeah, I mean they can they can make it work, but like yeah. Houston is gonna benefit yeah. not the Raptors uh, as much. And like Duncan Robinson is about to be in an RFA and he's gonna get paid probably close to as much as Norman Powell and I don't know that you swap out Kyle Lowry for the right to overpay Duncan Robinson or even if it's fair value, like he can get a shot off anywhere. Um you know, he's like like I, I know people see a white shooter and think he's redundant with Matt Thomas. <laughs> Duncan Robinson is six foot seven. It's a lot easier to get those shots off uh at, at a volume that matters at six foot seven. And Tyler Hero is like he's he's fine. If he was in the package, you could you could talk yourself into him, but as the centerpiece of a Kyle Lowry trade, absolutely not. Like he's taken a step backwards this year. Um you know, I don't know how much all-around play upside there is there. Um, You know, he's a a decent playmaker. Um, And then I have less than zero interest in Kendrick Nunn. Uh, (laughs) KZ Opala would be, like, kind of an interesting final piece developmentally as a throw-in. But um, anyway, that's all just to say that the Philly package is much more attractive. If, If, and this is a big if, if Philly puts their best offer on the table, which we don't know if they'll do.
2: I mean, I think there's something shy of their best offer that makes sense. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, look, if, if all they think they have to beat is hero, none, and a deep, deep future first, um, you know, salary filler, Tybalt, and a nearer first probably tops that, right? I would think so. Uh, and I don't, like like,
2: again, like, you see these trades for Drew Holiday, and it's tough to accept that, this is what you're going to get for Kyle Lowry, but this is, like, <laughs> he's given you so much, and it's such, and it's for that reason that it, this situation is unique. Like, you sort of have to accept the reality with it. And also, like, I love Lowry. Like, he's not impacting the game in the same ways that he has in the past. I think he has another level to get to, this season in more competitive basketball, for sure. Uh, especially, like, once he gets further removed from having to drive the carcass of a team through a, <laughs> you know, five- or six-game slog without three of its four most important players. Um, but, or three of its five, if you want to elevate Norm there. Uh, but, like, the, the reality is he's turning 35 and he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, I know a lot of people asked about Lowry's contract uh, I don't know if you're going to get to a reader question um, today or a listener. We might depends question. how
1: quickly you wrap this thought up. Uh,
2: and it's just tough to predict. Uh, like obviously, whatever team is, has his bird rights is going to have a major advantage. Uh, I think the one complicating factor is that Miami is one of those teams that's scheduled to have meaningful cap room. Um, so I don't think he's getting like two and like two and sixty like has been floated out there. Um, Although I never rule the great Mark Bartelstein out. Um, (laughs) Like, I I think, you know, depending on who's given it to him, 240, 250, like somewhere in that range might be what we're looking at. But it is a hard situation to read.
1: Okay, so that was, I think that was one of the reader questions. We're going to do a couple, we'll we'll just, I'm going to throw some quick hitters at you, okay? Uh, From Sean Fitzgerald, as bad as (laughs) things look now... Yeah. As bad as things look now, what is the absolute worst Raptors game you've ever seen in
2: person? So the the actual answer to this question is I wouldn't remember it because, it, like, bad games are forgettable. Uh, right. So, but one of the worst games that I do remember, uh, I wasn't there in person, but one of the two Raptors-Nets games in England uh, went to triple overtime. And it was just, like, a comedy of errors at the end of each overtime of, like, offensive mi- misexecution. execution uh, Is that a word? Who cares? Um, and that ranks highly. Uh, some stuff from the early first year in the Dwayne Casey era would rank highly uh i forget who it was against but the the uh butler inbound pass like lingers in my brain uh might have been against the lakers i'm not sure uh there were there were a lot of blunders there uh but i think like when i saw that question raptors nets in england was the first thing that came to mind and that's a triple overtime game it was like The opposite of the Raptors-Kings game from 2001 that I think is one of the best games I've ever seen.
1: Um, All right. Chris Black asks, does anything matter really? And the answer to that is, of course, no. Yes. Uh, Stevie Greve asks, uh, would you trade Siakam in the postseason and what might you ask for if you did? Uh, Just a quick answer on this one. I'm almost never going to say it makes sense to sell someone at the absolute bottom of their value. I don't think... I don't think this is Siakam and who he's going to be long-term. And even if you don't think he's a number one, I'm certainly not selling him uh, at, at the bottom of that, unless you disagree here.
2: He's already been player two or three, let's say player 2.5 on a championship team. Like, come on. Like, uh, he's he's been down. Uh, like, he maybe he's ill-suited for this role. Uh, you don't not listen to offers, but... I'm not looking to trade him for sure. Not
1: uh, okay. This question comes from Nakeeb. Uh, did you find a house yet?
2: Next question.
1: <laughs> oh boy, that uh, that bad, eh? Uh, um, uh,
2: we got some prices on some houses we saw, but had no intent of, of bidding on because we knew they were going to go high uh, today, this morning, and they did go high. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that, that's how that's how it works, eh? That's how um, it be. Stanimal Season asks, will the Raptors make any small moves before the trade deadline? Uh, he or she is thinking, of course, I'd imagine, about a Nando DiColo for Austin Day type move. Uh, and I'll just say as long as whoever they acquire in that move is has restricted free agent rights and is headed to Europe. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I care about in a deal like that. Give me the new Nando DiColo uh, rights. Um, but I think Eric...
2: th- I think what you suggested earlier, like Terrence Davis for Ken Birch, something like that, that gets you, like, even if you're just swapping bird rights uh, on a piece that you might have more interest in in the future and might fill a need, like, that's certainly pos- possible. Will there be something as meaningless as, like, the Patrick O'Brien trade? I mean, I, I think that was more Colangelo's jam than Masai Ujiri's jam. They don't have a tax... Uh, threshold to get under Uh, so i'd say any trade will probably be more purposeful than that one which is the most meaningless trade deadline trade i can remember uh for the raptors
1: well here's my take masai's masai's leaving bobby's getting elevated tolsman will be the new gm and they want to get tolsman touches on the trade on the trade calls so (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you want to get real, real negative and spiral, uh, question from David Bell. How's Walter taking the bad stretch? Uh,
2: he is currently sleeping or, or at least lying down as if he's sleeping, which is to say it's impossible to say, cause that's what he's always doing. I think he's fine. He's, he's good. He's, uh, Again, I'm worried about whenever things do open up and we actually have to go places again, how he's going to be, how he's going to take being left alone for four or five hours at a time. Um,
1: That's prime napping time. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like he'll cover up most of that by napping and then maybe he'll just eat a few rolls of toilet paper if we forget to close the bathroom door.
1: Who among us? Yeah. Uh, all right, Dodge's Roadkill asks, uh, how did the Athletic NBA pod have 50-minute trade deadline show and not mention the Raptors? Uh, I will answer that by saying uh, I don't listen to podcasts, so I had no idea. <laughs> um, but our, our friends over there at the Athletic NBA show uh, do great work. So uh, I'm sure it's because... The written content at Athletic.com on, on the Raptors trade deadline situation has been so strong. Yeah, the
2: live blog uh, has been good reading. Uh, just yeah. uh, analysis mixed with rumors. Uh, not rumors, like, like Intel. Uh, rumors sound so like. Uh, what's the word? Like. Dirty? Yes. Uh, like Intel. That, that's better. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been in, really enjoying that, uh, and it's uh, a fun little link to Refresh, in- including uh, John Hollinger calling a shot Yeah. the trade uh, con- Fiondu con- Cabangeli. Yeah, congratulations to uh, John uh, on, on that. We can only dream of such great journalistic moments.
1: Um, March comes in like Orion asks a very depressing question <laughs> about the state of the injury. Uh, industry which uh we're not going to answer here but in seriousness if that if that's a real question you want to discuss um you can always dm or email and we can talk about that uh a little bit more uh, yeah, no,
2: I, I, to... I, I like question like email me those questions twitter is a pretty crappy way to communicate that my email address is in my twitter bio ecorena at uh like seriously students or people looking to get into the industry uh uh, and I, I know you're the same. You help out lots of young writers, uh, Blake. Uh, it's it's um, it's challenging and it's stressful. And I remember when I was coming into the industry, and like I thought it would be impossible to get a full time job. And I still think like tons of luck was involved. But uh, yeah. Anyway, long story short, like don't re- don't hesitate to reach out. I- I'm glad to tackle whatever I can and, and try not to totally crush your dreams. Uh,
1: okay, and final one comes from James, only because he has a, a wrestling avatar, so you got to include him. What can you guys do to give the players a much-needed confidence boost right now? I suggest asking each of them with a straight face, when did they realize they were the baddest motherfucker in the world? Um, not really our place. Uh, to do that kind of thing, and media access is, uh, is a little limited. But, Eric, how would you give the guys a confidence boost right now? It's um,
2: a good question. Uh, maybe, like, channel Doc Rivers and, like, have everybody, like, give $1,000 of cash and, like, put it in the ceiling of, uh, or somewhere in the bowels of Amelie Arena and they get it back when they uh, get into the top eight. Uh, that's not really a confidence boost. That's just incentive. But like, I mean, you, you, the, the real answer is you probably show a lot of video from the stretch when they were playing well, right? Like, I don't think it's that complicated. Like, like I wrote in the sell piece, in my piece, like advocating for them to sell, they, like that stretch, they played good basketball. There were some caveats, but like, it wasn't fake either like they beat some decent teams it was not like a really easy stretch of basketball and they played well so you show it to them you remind like you know your your contributors what they've done in the past uh and you just get out there and and play the style that you know you can
1: uh to take it music for a little for for just for a second um Eric, if you remember way back on Columbia House Party when we did an episode on Travis Barker's uh, solo album.
2: Uh, uh, I didn't re- listen to that one, but no, <laughs> it exists.
1: There is a, a song called Carry It with uh, Riza on it, and uh, the hook is my ton, son, Carry It, but the way Riza says it, uh, that's how I always say caveat in my head. <laughs> uh, I know it's caveat, but in my head every time uh, I'm writing it or reading it, it's in RZA's voice from that song. Caveat, yeah. Just, uh, just a little about me and how how many worms
2: are in my brain. Yeah, as I joked about uh, with Dan Devine, who of the Ringer, who complimented my piece, which was very nice to him, uh, of him to do. Uh, I was like, "Come read my columns. They're eighty percent caveats, which is why they're all like eighteen hundred words instead of you know the nine hundred, eight hundred word newspaper column." God, it's a struggle to get in all the context you want to get in. Uh, this is this is like my biggest challenge as a writer is to just like get out of my own way and say what I mean.
1: Um. All right. Uh, and, Eric, the week ahead, uh, the Raptors play the Denver Nuggets. Oh, we didn't even the, talk about that. How does it the, feel,
2: Blake? How does it feel? About,
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: How does it feel to go one and three in predictions?
1: I, uh, I have no memory of that.
2: Yeah, okay. Move on.
1: Uh, the Raptors play Denver on Wednesday. Uh, that'll be the night that there's an all-women's broadcast on TSN, which is uh, really something to look forward to. Um, Nick Nurse and Fred Van Fleet with some nice comments about it yesterday. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, although I have joked with a couple of the people involved with that broadcast that... Uh, Maybe not the most fair situation that yeah. they might be on hug watch at some point. It's a
2: complicated one all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, yeah. When when Kyle Lowry gets pulled at halftime um, and hugs all his teammates, we'll see. Uh, so they got Denver, Phoenix, Portland, and then somehow they're playing Detroit again on a back-to-back. Uh, four-game week. Eric, what do you got?
2: Um, I'm going to go win-loss-loss-win.
1: Win, loss, loss, win. Okay.
2: I I don't know. Like I I'm obviously the reason I've been wrong for the most part is I've picked them to win games that they lose. So yeah. I should probably
1: just go loss, 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 loss. But
2: I don't know. Whatever. That's sort Jamal of,
1: Murray put the dagger in the Kalo era. What a what a
2: yeah. you know region move that would be to uh, yeah. spite the four what, the the six.
1: All right, um, that's it for today. Uh, Theathletic.com slash WeTheSix or click off any of our articles right now. You can get subscription to the written side for $1 a month, which is a great deal. Uh, we've got lots of stuff up uh, already and obviously we'll be on top of everything that is to come uh, deadline related. We probably won't be back for podcast until after that four-game stretch next week, although it uh, could be an emergency pod later in the week if, uh, if trades go down and if producer Andrew isn't having to do emergency pods for like all 30 NBA teams. So um, keep an eye out for that, I guess. But mostly uh, we'll have you covered on the written side and Twitter and all that good stuff. Eric Kareem, thank you very much, man. Thanks, Blake. See ya.